you are now tuning into But What If I Soar podcast. With your host, Dominique, licensed professional counselor and certified clinical trauma professional and owner of free to be counseling service and Deveron, licensed social worker and certified life coach and owner of Social MacGyver. The thought-provoking podcast that explores the complexity of mental health through a lens that does not require a prescription. We will explore a wide range of topics with engaging discussions and personal anecdotes that provides a realistic outlook while actively engaging in our own self-discoveries. Let's get ready to soar together. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of But What If I Soar? I'm your co-host, Deveron. And I am your other co-host, Dominique. Thanks for coming back. Thank you. So um, it's been two weeks since our last episode. We're really excited for these next couple episodes. They're going to be series. And we are going to actually be talking about relationships. And it's going to be in, you know, a multitude of different types of relationships. And really excited because I think that this is going to be very deep, very... um, kind of getting us into our feelings, talking about uncomfortable things, being vulnerable. Um, but also I think that it will have some healing to it. So I'm I'm really excited about these next couple of <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> we were planning, uh, we were talking about that. And I was like, oh girl, it's gonna be a crying session. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think like it's so important because you know, as we have kind of like went through part of our life, because, you know, we're both in our 30s, um, we have experienced a bunch of different things. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, as we talked about, our relationships have definitely changed and how we yeah. view them has changed. And, you know, as you live and learn and experience new things, that gives you a whole different, you know, uh, lens to view things. So I think that it's it's good. And I hope that our listeners will resonate with it. It will have them actually have some deep thoughts and conversations amongst their friends and loved ones and even themselves. Like, I think that this will be a really fun series. Um, I think so too. I think so too. So before we kick off, let's start off by asking Dom in the last few weeks, what have you kind of your peak and your low? This is kind of hard because I think everything has been pretty okay. Um, I'd say in the last two weeks, a high has been, well, I had a really good therapy session um, on Friday. And um, in some of my sessions, uh, my therapist, like if I, you know, as I'm talking and I'm kind of expressing what's going on, she'll pick little words out that I've said often or that have, you know, just hit her in a way and she'll ask me to do an acrostic. Mm-hmm. And an acrostic as a homework assignment is essentially like, so for example, she gave me the word uncomfortable. And so it was my job to kind of use each letter of that word to describe, you know, what uncomfortable means to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of talked about that in my last session. And it really was, it was eye-opening and, and helpful to kind of talk through it because what I've learned about that, you know, being uncomfortable is that there is... I'm not going to completely get rid of that feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm learning to um, find some balance, you know, where there are going to be moments where I get uncomfortable. And for me, uncomfortable is uh, a trigger of feeling unsafe. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I'm, you know, trying to remind myself is that, and I think I might have said this in our, maybe our first episode, was that feeling uncomfortable doesn't always mean that you're unsafe, right? Mm -hmm. That there was a time in my life where that meant that I was unsafe, but really asking myself, okay, you're feeling discomfort about this thing. What's truly unsafe about it? Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like that was a a pretty big high for the week, just being able to kind of talk through um, how to just get more comfortable with (laughs) being uncomfortable, um, (laughs) which is, you know, it's not it's not the easiest thing for me, but, you know, it is I think it's something that um, as I am venturing into different avenues of my life, being a parent, being a wife, you know, running a new business, um, being a friend, you know, all those things are going to require a little bit of discomfort. Mm-hmm. And I think it will, will be overall it will be helpful 
for me to, you know, just lean into that a little bit and not, you know, assume that, you know, it's unsafe. And, and also the more you do it and, 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 you know, you know, if we're looking at it from the brain's perspective, the more you do something that feels uncomfortable, it's a reminder to your brain that, oh, well, you had this feeling, it made you feel unsafe, mm-hmm. but look what happened. You didn't die, nothing bad happened. So like, it's, it's important for me to to do that because overall it will be, it will be helpful to just, you know, the, the brain's restructuring, right. Mm-hmm. That you get to, you get to restructure what once was, you know, so it, it will be overall, it will be helpful. Um, yeah. It's just, it's just a matter of when I'm doing it, just being able to slow down and say, okay, you're having this moment, like, you know, mm-hmm. so, so yeah, so that was a high, um, a low, I guess I will say is I was away for a week. I was for my, my current job. I have to do some visits, um, mm-hmm. out of, out of town. And so I was out of town for a week mm-hmm. <sighs> and it was, <laughs> So it wasn't bad. So I, I really didn't want to go. I mean, I've been pushing this off for like some years. So I almost didn't have no choice. They got you. They got me. <laughs> but honestly, it really wasn't a bad visit. You know, mm-hmm. I got to visit some some stores that we work with. And I got to meet my supervisor in person for the first time, which was nice. Um, so I guess what was kind of low about it was while I was gone, like some things just had to change here. You know, you always, I, I just didn't feel good about having to leave. And like, you know, my husband couldn't change his work schedule. Mm-hmm. Savon had to go, you know, had to go with my father-in-law. Like, there was just so many things that were going on. Changes to the schedule. Um, yeah. And then yeah. Like, while I was gone, he was like missing me and like mm-hmm. wanting to see me. And I've, I, I was, I mean, I was gone for like a, like three or four days. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he ended up coming back early because he really wanted to be back home. So it was just like those changes just didn't feel good. And I was kind of like, you know, but then I'm like, you know, this is this is life and he's fine. He's going to be fine. You know, mm-hmm. I, I guess I was, you know, when you my biggest challenge is like having to like depend on people. Like, yeah, I don't really like that. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm grateful. Like, I'm grateful that I do have a support system that I can depend on. Like, I mm-hmm. couldn't ask for a better support system. But, you know, it doesn't always make me feel great that that I that, that things have to change. And then, like, my assumption is like, oh, I'm, like, putting other people out. Oh, but yeah. in reality, that's not necessarily the yeah. case. And I think about it because if somebody was to come to me and say, like, oh, man, I really need your help. Like, I would be like, oh, yeah, like, what can I do? You know, yeah. I wouldn't have this, like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, I gotta, <laughs> I wouldn't have that feeling. I would be yeah. like, oh, how can I support you? So it's like helping myself try to figure out how do you work through those feelings yourself when someone is supporting you, you know, mm-hmm. like, why is the first assumption, like you're putting somebody out, you know, mm-hmm. why is that the, the, the thing that you gravitate to? So it wasn't a super duper low, but it was just a reminder for me to like, you know, kind of explore those feelings of discomfort when someone is, when, when, when you're asking for help or when you need someone's assistance, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what's that about? Because we don't, we don't live in this world and can do all things on our own. It's just, it's not no. possible. When you live in this <laughs> world, you know, you have to have a community of people and like, you just can't make it in life without people. You just can't, no. you know? Mm-mm. So I don't know why I'm, I have such, well, I know why, but I have such a struggle <laughs> with like accepting that, accepting yeah. that like people help us, you help people, people are going to help you and it doesn't. And then it's like, I didn't have a, that thought with this in particular, but like, I used to think like, well, how can I pay them back? And it's like, oh no, yeah. Like, like you owe them something. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it's like, no, you don't, you don't owe people for just, for people just being good people. Like I wouldn't want somebody, I might even be offended. Like girl, like, no, I'm helping you out. I don't mean that. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, so it's like, why there's a struggle sometimes for me to like kind of use that same logic when other people are assisting me, you know? Yeah. So, that's something that I have to kind of get with, you know, it's you know, more, <laughs> more, more work, girl, more, more. It never stops. Work. It never stops. No, it don't. <laughs> 
So yeah, that was that was what I would I would say for me. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm you? glad that you had like, you know, you were able to go out of town. You had a good support system, even though, you know, you're still working through those different feelings that do present. I I like that you, you know, even though you didn't want to, you finally did go, you know, you had a good experience and guess what? No one died. Like everyone was good. You know, obviously it's hard when you have a kiddo and you're away from them and then they're expressing that they miss you because then there is like that mom guilt, Mm -hmm. um, you know, but the good thing is, is that you're also teaching him like you have these other people in your life that also support you and love you and can provide you some type of comfort and mm-hmm. you're safe, you're secure, you know, and obviously he he loves his mommy. So yeah. that, no one's going to replace mom, but right. it's good for him to also know, like, I have these other people in my life that can be counted on and they do love me and support me when mommy is, you know, busy or doing whatever. So that's good. Yeah. And that mommy's not just a mommy, you know, mommy has other things that make her who she is, you know, and I think that, and that thought just actually just came to me. Like, you know, it's a good idea for him to see like, yeah, mommy is great and mommy's mommy, but mommy has all these other things Mm -hmm. that like make her who she is, you know, exactly. and it's, it's, it's a reminder because, you know, that's something I'm, I'm a strong advocate for is women not being so sucked into like this role and that they lose themselves. Mm -hmm. So it actually is a good thing, you know, more so than I, you know, thought about in, when it was happening, you know, mm-hmm. now that I'm like kind of going back, I'm like, yeah, I mean, he needs to know that like, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm mommy, but I'm, I'm also other things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So. I like that. So what about you? So I'm trying to think. So I got two highs. So one, my birthday was Look yesterday. I know. <laughs> <laughs> So it was a good, relaxing birthday. Um, You know, spending time with my family is always something that I am constantly, you know, just happy about. Um, And then I actually had a counseling session on Friday as well. And um, during my session, I was actually asked if I could do a um, speaking engagement for a group of ladies that are going to be writing a, another book. Um, I participated in a um, book last year that had to do with like overcoming trauma. And I wrote a chapter in it. So I was a co-author and it was a really good experience. I really pushed myself to be vulnerable and just, you know, reflective and, to this day, I'm constantly, you know, told about how empowering my chapter was and just, you know, how they can't believe I've been through so much and, you know, to yeah. be as young as I am. Um, And so the board actually came back and said, like, you know, we really still like talk about her story and we really would like her to come and speak to this group of ladies to just be, you know, motivational type of speaker to talk about all the different things that she has, you know, went through and overcome. And so I'm really excited about it uh, because I. I think that, you know, no matter what you experience in life, not saying that it's easy and not reducing the impact of any, you know, any experience that you go through. But I really feel like you can do the work and you can overcome whatever you face. Um, It's hard work, like it's hard as hell. Um, But if you're willing to do the work and you're really to, you know, battle forward, you can overcome anything. So I am really excited to speak to this group of ladies. Um about just my experiences and I hope that they can find some type of connection with all the different things that I have been through and just showing that like I've never like got out the race like I'm continuously going and like we say you know there are moments when I soar and then there's moments when I have to glide because you know I need a rest but I never stop flying and I just keep pushing forward so I'm really excited about that I think that it's going to be a good experience and you know it's gonna be fine i'm excited for you that's 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 i mean it's such a like a full circle moment because like yeah we're part of this book series and then like now you're going to be supporting other women or other Mm -hmm. people rather i'm not sure if you know um that part but you're going to be you know supporting other people who are also going to be taking this journey too Mm -hmm. um so it's, it's such a full circle moment i think 
Yeah, I'm really excited. I think it's going to be a good experience. And like I said, the event, they have like a nice event after, you know, everyone has written their chapters and they print the book and just celebrating women for, and it is all women, but celebrating women for just, you know, what you have experienced because, and not just saying that women experience a lot because, you know, men do too, um, but just really just kind of celebrating people for like, look how far you've come. Like sometimes it doesn't feel that way. And we don't really take the time to acknowledge what our journey has been to the point that Mm -hmm. we're at right now. And I think it's so important to constantly replay that tape and be like, yes, life is hard, but look at what you have been able to get through. Like this too shall pass. Storms do not last forever. And so I'm really excited about that. And then I'm trying to think, so I would say a low, not too much of a low. Um, I think right now I'm in a place of, I was talking to my therapist about this and I, so I did my clinical supervision hours and I submitted everything so I could go ahead and take my exam. Check your test, and, yeah. Yes. And the board is being like really extra about stuff. And they are like, first it was my fingerprints. I did the FBI fingerprints and then the state I'm in, they said, oh, they don't do the FBI fingerprints. So I had to go and do that um, locally. So that was more money. And then it was, I have um, my licensure. I had it in multiple states. And so they were like, oh, okay, you pay for this. Now you have to pay to get a, um, it's kind of like where they do a review to make sure I had no type Mm -hmm. of like, um, issues with my licensure into different states, but I have to pay for each one of those. So that was annoying. But, and then now they are trying to take away, they took away a thousand of my hours, which was really, really frustrating. And they were like, yes, a thousand of my hours. And the thing that made me upset was I actually did more than was required. Um, So I was over my hours by 700. And this is my second time doing my hours because the first time, It was just a mess. And you can only use your hours for up to six years. So um, when they came back and they had taken away a thousand of my hours because they said that the structure they wanted every 40 hours that you work, you have to be supervised for two hours. Well, that wasn't the case for me. Um, Or actually, it wasn't that it wasn't the case. The way that we had defined it didn't match what they were looking for. So we might have done the paperwork wrong or whatever, but... Then they came back and said, I I had 400 more hours to do. So I was frustrated about that. And then I was like, oh, I'll just see if I can use my prior hours. And they were like, no, you can't use those because it's been more than six years, literally at seven years. So that was annoying. And I had told my therapist about it. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm mad. I'm frustrated, you know, because I feel like there's so many people who do need to get licensed. We need more licensed um, counselors and therapists at this point, but they make it so challenging to even get a licensure and just the money that you have to do, the the hoops that you have to jump. It's really, really frustrating to be on that other side of it. And again, having the documentation of showing all of my hours and them still feeling like that doesn't count. And like when you apply for your licensure, you have to send in your resume. Like you have to show all of the different experience that you had in addition to your clinical supervision hours. So it's like, you guys see, I have 10 years plus like of actual working in different, you know, industries or not even different industries, different populations, different um, types of like, whether it be community-based, inpatient, outpatient, like, just all of these different things. And you're giving me such an issue and I'm spending all this money and I haven't even spent the money for once you actually get approved to sit for your exam, you have to pay for the actual exam. And then after you take the exam and if you pass it, then you have to pay more money to actually get your license. So it's just Mm -hmm. like, you guys want all of these different things and there's really not a lot of support and you make it so much harder for people mm-hmm. to go through these things. And I know yeah. so many people, I'm not the only one who has started this process, got frustrated and just said, like, forget it. I'm not going to go through with it. Um, and so I kind of processed that a little bit with my therapist. And I said, you know, I'm going to do it like I'm, I'll just pay to do supervision, do the 400 hours. I'll do it like, you know, within two to three months. Yeah. But 
it's extra money that I now have to pay. It's yeah. more time that I have to pay, knowing that I'm over the hours that are needed. Right, right. So it's just more frustration. But am I going to do it? Yes, I'm going to do it because it's a goal of mine and I don't let anything stand in my way. Um, but this is just the example of when you are going towards something and the road or the path that you thought it would be doesn't look the way that you want it to be. And I mean, at this point, I was celebrating like I did everything. Like I'm submitting this. I'm ready to take my exam. I've been yeah. studying. And now I have this, you know, hurdle in the middle of the road. And I'm not going to let that hurdle stop me. I have my little, you know, I call it a bitch fest. I have my bitch fest. Like, I have my like, you know, oh, this is not fair. And why does it always have to be so challenging? And I allowed myself to feel that. I acknowledge that it wasn't fair. But then I also replayed the tape. Like, what have you accomplished that was ever fair? Like, I've never pursued a goal and my path was straight like it's never been that way so I was like why would you think that this would be anything different like it's not so you know it's just the yeah. requirement and the goalpost moved a little bit but I'm still gonna go after I'm still gonna finish it and I'll have my license like it'll be what it is so that was a yeah. little bit of a low but I'm in a better place about it now. <laughs> I mean, you better than me because I have been ready to call them people, call them folks like, hey, like, for real. Because it's like, it's, I mean, I mean, when you think about it structurally, you mm -hmm. know, I mean, that's part of the reason why you don't have a lot of black clinicians in the field because it is so challenging. It is Girl. so expensive. I mean, people don't understand that, like, you know, you have to every two years or whatever your state's, requirements are you have to renew which means you have to pay more money which means you have mm -hmm. to make sure that you do uh continuing education credits and like here's the thing so how much is given much is required i'm not mad about having to do it mm -hmm. but there is a structural issue with why you know there is such a low number for black brown indigenous and minorities in the field because it is so challenging it's so so expensive and then those those groups already have so much knocked against them already and then mm -hmm. you want them to pursue or they're 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 looking to pursue you know licensure or some you know secondary license or some secondary education you know requirement for their field and there's so many hoops i mean it's frustrating so you better than me because i'm <laughs> ready to fight i'm uh, also ready to fight but i, I, I really definitely wanted luck I wanted to fight somebody, okay? I was like, who? I'm about to, like, at first I was in my feelings. I was, like, mad. And then I yeah. was like, I need, I'm about to write a letter. I'm going to, like, reach out to someone. You know, and then I started thinking about, you know, how can I advocate for myself? And I did call the board several times. I did speak with supervisors. They were not helpful. Um, and, you know, that was even more frustrating because, you know, sometimes I feel like, <laughs> people make things so much harder than they really need to be. Um, yeah. Especially if it's not like I'm asking for a handout. It's not like as I'm asking for someone to bend the rules. I'm not. Um, but like you said, like you guys make things so much more challenging. And then you turn around and you see the governor of PA saying like, we need more mental health providers. And it's like, make it easier. Like, not right. even make it easier, make it more supportive, right? Like right. make it more supportive, make it where it's not like you have to jump through so many different hoops to go ahead and pursue something. I mean, and it's not just me. Like I've had other friends that I've talked to and they will talk about their experiences. And some of them will say, I, I'm not even going to pursue a higher you know, licensure because it was so hard even getting this one that mm -hmm. it was just ridiculous. You know, the yeah. amount of money that you spend and time and and it's a lot, like it, it's a lot. But like I said, I have never experienced anything easy when I'm pursuing yeah. a goal. Um, and I know that I've worked my butt off to get to where I'm at. I know yeah. that um, it's something that I have promised my mother, it's something that I promised my grandmother and, you know, they're no longer with me, um, you know, physically, spiritually, obviously they are, but I'm not going to let no board, I'm not going to let no person yeah. be stopping me from pursuing what I want to do. And so, yes, I am not happy about it. 
yes, I want to tell somebody off, <laughs> but I'm I'm gonna finish it. And you know, I when I do, I will celebrate like I never celebrated before, and mm-hmm. then I'll move on to the next thing. But yeah, it is it's a good attitude. It's a yeah. good attitude. Better yeah. than my attitude. Because <laughs> sometimes I just because it's like sometimes I could just get so stuck in like, huh, like this is like. I think I'll think of all of the the reasons why it's so much harder for other people. Mm-hmm. And, I, and and the thing is, like, it's a great attitude to have because two things can exist, right? That this could be frustrating and unfair. And this is still a goal of mine. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So how do I, like, recognize that it is unfair and, like, one, one thing don't stop no show? Like, I still yeah. need to keep going, you know? And I think I eventually get there, but I just get so mad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think it's a it's a good attitude to have because you don't want those things to get in the way of like your own goal. And not even just your goal, but like something that you promise to people who really mean something. This board don't mean nothing to you. Yeah. Like then people mean nothing. more to you than a board. You know what yeah. I mean? So this too shall pass. Like it's yes. just another storm. Storms don't last forever. Yes. And once I get that licensure, it'll be another notch on my belt. And, yeah. you know, it yeah. is what it is. And then I have a story to tell. And then I will hopefully be able to, you know, motivate and inspire someone else who was thinking about and considering it. And they felt like, you know what, the journey is too hard or whatever. And yeah. I can yeah. let them know, like, yes, it is hard, but you can still overcome it. So, yeah, I'm just going to push yeah. forward. That's good. Good attitude to have. I need to be more like you when I grow up. (laughs) It's a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. So now that we talked about our highs and our lows, um, we are going to now talk about the series on relationships, which... (laughs) So... Forgive me about this mic. I'm just trying to make sure the mic is good because I want to make sure that... I'm heard and that you get good sound. So just yeah, no, we it's important because I mean this is this is about to get deep, you guys. Like <sighs> about to get a little deep. Might little have a little deep. bit of tears, you know. I'm a thug, but you know, just I a little bit here there. there. <laughs> right, you know, you know how we do. <laughs> so when we talk about relationships, right? There are a number of different relationships that we have in our lives, right? So you have, and most of the times when people talk about relationships, we automatically talk about like romantic relationships, relationships with your friends, your peers, your loved ones, your children, your coworkers, your siblings. But the first part of this series that we want to talk about is your relationship with yourself. Yeah. Because relationships start with yourself. If you do not have a good relationship with yourself, odds are you're not going to be able to have a very healthy, because that's the thing. You can have a relationship with other people, but you're not going to be able to have a healthy relationship with others because it always comes back to you and how you view yourself is going to be the lens of how you view others. And so- We thought it was important to start off this series on relationships with our relationship to ourselves. And this is a heavy one. This is a heavy one. (laughs) So when we are talking about relationship with ourselves, we're going to start off with this first question. And I'm going to be looking down at points because I have my phone with the questions that we're going to be asking each other. Um, And so I just want to point that out. So the first question is, what does it mean to have a relationship with yourself and why is having a relationship with yourself important? So Dom, I'm going to let you answer this one first. All right. So I thought a little bit about this and I think that knowing yourself in and out is, is a healthy first step. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no one knows you like you know yourself. However, if you're not honest with yourself, then I think that's the biggest piece of the relationship with yourself is the ability to be self-reflective, right? The mm-hmm. ability to, you know, to say like, girl, you shouldn't have said it like that. <laughs> or like, girl, you a lot to deal with. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. I think that like, you have to be honest with yourself. And that's the one thing that I, I would say I'm, I am uh, very uh, good at is like, you know, I know the things about myself that like 
can rub people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. I know the things about myself that might even rub me the wrong way, you mm-hmm. know? And, but the thing about it is I, I love myself in spite of those things, the things that I know rub people the wrong way and not rub me the wrong way, because, you know, having a, a good relationship with yourself doesn't necessarily mean that you have to like everything about yourself, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we are multifaceted people, right? I know there are things about myself that are a lot for some people. Sometimes I'll be like, girl, like you is a lot today. <laughs> like when you get on this soapbox, like you can't stop. Like, you know, so I, I think the biggest <laughs> thing is like just knowing yourself in and out, being self-reflective and mm-hmm. being honest. You know, I think that is what it means to have a healthy relationship with yourself. Yeah. Um, why is it important? I think, I think it's important because you know, the relationship that you have with yourself, I think can be a direct reflection of your other relationships, Yeah, right? How you treat yourself, how you show up for yourself, how you um, get yourself together. You know what I mean? How you call yourself in, not call mm-hmm. yourself out. I think all of those things definitely play a role in how you treat other people. Yeah. Um, and I think for many of us, um, you know, that's why self-compassion is a big thing for me. Because mm-hmm. I think when it comes to our relationships with other people, we can have so much uh, empathy and compassion and understanding. But when it's ourselves, we're like not as nice, not as kind, not as um, not as understanding yeah. to all of the things that we're showing up in the world with too. So um, I would say... It, it, it's it's important for those reasons. And if you really want a healthy relationship with other people, it starts with you. You know, mm-hmm. I think it has to start with you. So that's yeah. what I would say. What, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, I would say, I would kind of say the same thing, like mirror what you said. And I know a lot of times I talk about the lens, the lens that we see things out of. Um, And I constantly talk about that because I feel like our experiences mold the lens that we see in and kind of take in different things. And I would say like your relationship with yourself is also a lens that you see different things with, right? So how I view myself will kind of impact how I view our interaction. So we could be having dialogue about something. And you could be saying one thing, but the way that I'm filtering that through is how I view myself. And so what you're saying, I'm actually not really fully getting because I'm putting it in through that filter of, oh, you know, she, you know, maybe I feel insecure or maybe I feel like I'm not good enough. So now I'm I'm receiving the information that you're saying in that filter of, Oh, well, you're trying to say like you're doubting me, right? Mm-hmm. You you you're questioning me. And now my reaction to that is is going to be a lot different because of that filter. And so I would say that that's why it's so important to have a good relationship with yourself because you are going to be filtering how you view different people and how you view different interactions by that, right? Mm-hmm. Um and a lot of times that can really make situations go left. Um, and like, for instance, if you ever had an email from a colleague at work, depending on how your day is going, or even a text message from a loved one, depending on how your day is going, that is usually the tone that you're going to read that email or that text message Mm -hmm. in. Right. And it could be that, you know, if you, it was on a good day, maybe you would have read it a lot differently. That tone would have been different, but because of whatever you're going through, you're going to receive it in that manner. And it could be that you were completely wrong, right? And so having interactions with other people, that can definitely be the case where if we're not feeling good about ourselves, there's things that, you know, maybe my interaction with you has triggered something within myself and you have no idea about this. And maybe I don't even have an idea about it, right? Um, That's going to filter how I view that interaction and how I respond. And again, it can have nothing to do with you directly, but it's just how I am receiving it and how I'm going to be responding. And then that could just make it go completely left. So I think it's so important to do the work. And I will say the, you know, teenager me, the young, you know, in my 20s me, 
the way my relationship with myself then is completely different to my relationship that I have now. And am I still working on my relationship? Yes, because as I grow, as I experience new things, I am then, you know, coming back and playing the tape and adjusting. And and I don't think that anyone is perfect. I think that we all have, you know, different things that we can grow in, different ways that we can grow in. And your relationship with yourself is always going to be changing. Um, But it's like any other relationship with anyone else. You have to constantly be willing to do the work. You have to constantly be willing to, you know, assess, reflect, pour back into yourself. Self-compassion is very important. Um, And just having that empathy for yourself. You know, I think when I was younger, I was a lot harder on myself, um, especially having a mother who struggled with addiction. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for a, a long, long time, and I would say probably up until like my late 20s, I did not always feel the best about myself. I constantly would question myself and um, just how others viewed me because of my relationship with my mother and just the, you know, when you, if you ever had someone who has struggled with addiction and um, that's hard on its own, but having that be your main caregiver, um, it does something to your psyche where you start to question your worth, your value, because you start to put it on yourself of why can't this person, you know, heal? Why can't this person stop? Um, And you start to think that it's a reflection of who you are, right? And so for a long time, I used to think that there was something in me or something that I don't want to say wrong with me, but just mm-hmm. something that caused my mother to not like I wasn't good enough to make her stop using. I wasn't good enough to make her go stop going missing. Um, and it made me question, like, why doesn't she love me enough? You know, what is it that I'm doing that makes me so unlovable or not loved enough to bring her out of this? Right. Um, and so mm-hmm. I definitely think that that made me view myself in a way, but it also impacted my interaction with other people because I was constantly thinking like, you know, I had to go above and beyond to make myself lovable, um, to make myself feel worthy of an interaction. And it was to the point where, you know, I would look at people and think if I wasn't giving them something and there wasn't a benefit to them, was I actually worth having or being a part of their life? Um, and it's something, you know, I definitely continue to work on because I, my love language is giving um, to other people. I love to see yeah. the my loved ones happy. I love to, you know, gift with my time, my energy. I feel like that's so important because it's invaluable. Um, but I also know that there's a balance because I know that in the past I have overly extended myself trying to make myself feel worthy of having people be in my life and feel worthy of being a part of, you know, other people's lives. And, you know, I would take it very personal if I didn't get like a a invite to something or maybe I did get like an invite, but it wasn't like the invite that I wanted. Maybe I felt like, you know, it was like, oh yeah, we're having this. You can come if you want, but it wasn't like, you know, like it was like, well, what could you do? And again, it has nothing to do with that other person. It was just the lens that I was seeing things in and it just didn't make me feel good. But again, I know that that lens that I was seeing things had a lot to do with the first relationship that I ever had. And that was with my mother. Um, And so that's why I think it's so important to work on your relationship with yourself. Because again, how you view other interactions start with how you view yourself. That's so powerful. I think what's so powerful about that is like the the conversation about the lens and how oftentimes people's conversation with us and our reaction is almost never about the other person. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that it's never about that person, but oftentimes if we really start to dig deep and we really start to explore like what the reaction was about and why were we triggered Oftentimes, it really has nothing to do with the other person. Yeah. Um, And I think the reason why that's such an important understanding when you're trying to develop a relationship with yourself is because you're putting the responsibility of figuring that out on you. It's not 
for the other person to change, not entirely. Like maybe there are some things that that other person can do to improve, but ultimately you only have control over yourself and how you respond to those things. And so if you are, you know, being really mindful of how you're reacting to things, you can definitely say, okay, did I like what that person said? No. My, my biggest thing is like, if any, so oftentimes it doesn't, this is how you kind of can know if it's, if it's your, your shit or their shit. Right. Because Mm -hmm. like, if you would respond that way, no matter who said it, then it's your shit. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like if, if, if it's not the situation, right. Like that's how, you know, like, no, this ain't really about them. This is really about you. If if someone else said it, and you would react the same way, then it's not the person. Exactly. Um, And sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow because again, there's a level of rigorous honesty that you have to have with yourself to say like, sis, like you might've, this might be your stuff to really work through. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily someone else's responsibility to fix this because no matter who said it, they you would have the same response. So that, that tells us that it's more about you. And and the, the thing is, there's no shame in that. Like, no. there's no shame in that. There's no judgment. There's nothing wrong with you, right? There is just this part of you that might still need a little TLC, you know? Exactly. And that's okay, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I like that. Like, I think that, you know, again, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's where the other person also is playing a role. But again, when we're reflective, sometimes we realize that that role that we thought they were playing is not as large as it seemed in that situation. And so, you know, again, no one is perfect. There's no one perfect. Um, But again, I think if you're doing the work on yourself, you're able to identify a little bit more if it's your own stuff that's kind of flowing into this interaction or if it's your own stuff and this other person, because then what you can do is you can establish some type of healthy boundaries Mm -hmm. and see if that balances itself out. Because like you said, we're only in control of ourselves. We are not in control of anyone else. We're not the puppet master over here. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like, I think that that's definitely important, but like I said, you know, having been reflective, there's definitely times in my teen years and even like my twenties, where I was like, oh, this person, you know, and when I look back on it, it's like, wait a minute. Yeah. Did they do some stuff that wasn't that great? That's correct. Did I react or was it filtered through, you know, how I was viewing myself? Yeah. Like sometimes Mm. that does happen. And like, you know, being reflective is so important because, you know, we can't go back and change, you know, that interaction or, you know, the past, but we can decide how we want to move forward. And I think that that's also important. And it begins with you. Like it begins with you. It doesn't begin with anyone else. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I know that, you know, I had some mommy issues. Like I definitely know there's no way that you could have experienced the things that I experienced growing up and not had a, you know, some type of complex. And I will say it wasn't even just a mommy issue. I think that from my experiences growing up, it taught me that people who said that they loved me really did things that hurt me. And I, for a long time, grew up thinking that love was supposed to hurt. Like, and Mm. that no one was capable of fully loving me. Um, because the interactions that I had, the experience that I had really molded and warped that sense of love. And I think, you know, it took a long time for me because I mean, there was at one point in time where I was like, I don't, I want to be by myself. Like I want to be on an Island because I thought if I didn't put myself out there, if I didn't engage with other people, no one could hurt me, which is such a false sense, you know, Mm -hmm. of thinking. But I really had convinced myself that love, this idea of love was hurtful and it was painful and I never wanted to experience again. So I thought, you know, if I just kind of board myself up and create these like concrete cement steel walls, um, you know, that nothing could get in because I had, you know, kind of blocked myself. And like you said, you can't live in a world by yourself. Like, this is not, we're not Will Smith and that movie. Like, you know, 
you just can't. And so it wasn't until I did the work that I realized like, yes, these experiences, you know, happen. They're definitely valid of how I felt, but that doesn't have to be the lens that I see everything in because it's so concrete and it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. That's a, and I think what you're describing is what many people experience. It's like, you know, I didn't get to protect myself when those things happen. So now I'm going to protect myself and this is how I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not rational, but I think part of its irrationality is, is like, sometimes you have like, in order to like make sense of what happened to you in your life, sometimes you have to, you have to do those things because sometimes it's not even safe to like really explore like mm-hmm. all of the many moving pieces that really have affected you. Right. Yeah. I can remember so many times, like my biggest um, way of kind of addressing the traumas that I experienced was like achievement and being a perfectionist and like all of these things, I'm doing all of these things, you know, thinking that that's somehow going to change. Like the fact that no, you still went through those things. You know? Yeah. Like, I think what you're describing is like some of that, you know, it's like, I didn't get a chance to, I didn't have control, right? This yes. <laughs> I didn't have control over the things that happened to me, but now, oh, yes. oh now <laughs> I don't give nobody the chance to make me feel like that again. So yeah. I'm going to put this armor on. It don't make no sense, but I'm going to put this armor on. I'm going to create these walls. I'm going to create this distance. And I'm going to be safe now. And it's like, (laughs) but like we're social people who need, I mean, we, we literally need social interactions to survive. Like, it's not like we don't get no, no choice in that matter. We actually need that for survival, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest, the biggest question is like, how do we, how do we accept that? Like these things, these hurtful things are going to happen and you have no control over it, right? Exactly. I, I think that's the biggest. That's always that. That would be a. That would have been a. That was a big fear for me. Like I, these things have already happened to me. I'm trying to make myself feel safe. But then when I started to realize, like these things are gonna happen, and you ain't got no control over what happens, girl. Anyway. No. You know? Like no. you trying to play like you know puppet master with your life and like you really don't have no control over that anyway nice powerless (laughs) control is the big imperfections it's the biggest fallacy that we have conjured up thinking that we have so if we if we move pieces and parts this way that we somehow are in control and like what i've learned is like real control is what you have often described as like pivoting. Like that is the mm-hmm. biggest metric of being able to navigate through things that you, of, of trying to navigate control is like learning how to pivot and navigate situations that you didn't expect, that you couldn't properly prepare for. Like that's real control because otherwise, like you think that like you're you're doing something and like the end result is like, yeah, I controlled that. And it's like, you didn't though. No, like, at all. You really didn't. You know what all. I mean? Like learning to navigate through the most uncomfortable, unforeseen. Uh, like those are, that's real control because those things can break you. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. And it, and it creates this false idea of, you know what, we have so much control over things and then when you realize that you don't it your whole world crumbles right like your whole world crumbles and the other thing about you know for myself of having all this armor on and thinking that I built up this walls and you know keeping everyone out I wasn't living like I wasn't Mm. living I wasn't experiencing all of what life had to give me because of these lens that I had that the world was unsafe that I had to protect myself. And I was like trying to walk around with, you know, all these gear on mm-hmm. and and just thinking the world was unsafe. And, and the world can at times, life can be unsafe at times. Mm-hmm. But I was also looking at, you know, looking for bombs and things like that when there wasn't any. So I yeah. was always ready to go to war 
and not allowing people to fully love me, right? Mm. Like I literally would be like keeping people at arm's length. And I remember my stepmom was one of the people who actually called me out about it. And the way that she did it was in such a loving way, but she also... Look, my stepmom don't play no game. <laughs> like, she does not play no games. She was a Marine. Like, she's a nerd. Like, she does not play no game. So I remember she told me when I was like a teen, I think I was like 12 or 13. And she was like, you know, sometimes you make yourself, you attempt to make yourself unlovable. And you're not. Mm. You're not unlovable. And you push everyone away and you try to make yourself seem like you're this big monster and you just can tough it out. And, and, you know, you're the hardest thing out here. And she's like, and I see right through all that. I see right through all Mm -hmm. that because I see how you treat, because I was the type of person who I had grown to think that people were so unsafe that I would rather be by myself. I would engage with people, but it would be very surface level. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to tell people my story. I didn't want people to know what was going on with me. I constantly, you know, kept secrets to myself, even though other people knew what was going on. I didn't didn't speak about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And you could always find me if there, like if we was at a party and there was like some type of dog, I would go and play with the dog. Like I would rather play with the animal than engage with people because they just had the lens that I was seeing things, everyone was unsafe. And my stepmom had three dogs and she had grew up, you know, in, uh, I won't say similar type of circumstance, but she understood the relationship that I had with, you know, people. And she was like, you know, there's no way that you could be this big monster that you pretend to be and care for, you know, my dogs the way that you do. And she's like, and then there will be little snippets that I see and really see the true you when you let your guard down, you know, not willingly, like just, you know, accidentally. And I see the true you and it's a beautiful person. Like, you know, that you don't have to always go to war. Like, this is not a war zone. Like there's going to be times when you do have to put on your armor, but if you're walking around with your armor on 24 seven, you're going to be exhausted. Like you're not experiencing the beauty of the world. Like, and when she said that initially, I was just like, whatever, like, (laughs) You think you know me. <laughs> you don't know me. Know, right. <laughs> I was like, girl, who do you think you're talking to? But right. then I like, I realized like I was so mean to her. Like there was times, even now when I'm reflective of, you know, me and her have a great relationship. I call her my bonus mom. Like I tell everyone, like if something ever happened to my stepmom, I would be devastated. Like I don't even know how I would be able to function. I would figure it out, but it would be very difficult. But even reflecting back, I I to this day will tell her like, you know, when we first met each other, I was not nice to you. And I was very, very mean and very put off. And I apologize to her for that. Like, I definitely do. But I know and she knows because we've, we know, you know, we've had lots of discussions and deep discussions about it is I was just in such a protection state of, you know, yeah, I just really felt like the world was so unsafe and you know, my relationship with myself was do everything you can. Like you said, this idea of control, you know, do everything you can line everything Mm -hmm. up, keep yourself as safe as possible by doing these things. And it was such Mm -hmm. a falsity, um, Mm -hmm. but I really believed in it. Like you could not tell me that Mm -hmm. I did not have control of my life. Like, no, there was, I would have argued you dead. Like, Mm -hmm. no, there's no way. And now I'm reflecting. I'm like, girl, you didn't have no control. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But the thing is, I think one thing that your stepmom said that I think is so insightful that is like the the other piece about wearing your armor all the time and being ready for war all the time is like, when you do that 24 seven, you don't actually know when a war is actual. And like when a war is like, like when you really need to be prepared for war, like if you always think a war is happening, then you're, you're never sure when the war is actually there. Right. Because everything isn't a war. Exactly. However, it feels that way because of those experiences. And so, you know, I, I think she was spot on with, you know, you don't have to be this big monster that you're pretending to be, or not really pretending, but it was like, it was like your, defense right mm-hmm. like if i if it and it's so crazy because when i started working in addiction um with teenagers 
my one supervisor would always say the same thing. Like she would always say very similar things about the kids that I would be working with and like Mm -hmm. how they would show up um, being as defensive as they could be, being as hard to get along with all because it was easier. Because it's like, if I can do all these things, most people are not going to deal with me. You know what I mean? So it's their way of trying to like keep themselves safe by saying, I'm going to do all, I'm going to, I'm going to treat you bad. I'm going to call you names. I'm going to go, I'm going to show up late. I'm going to be sleeping. Cl- I'm going to do all mm-hmm. these things to make you resent me and not like me. So I don't even gotta, I don't even have to get myself like worked up about like liking you or realizing that you care about me. Like it was just, it, it was, it was something that I hadn't really considered. Like when I first mm-hmm. started working in drug and alcohol, when I first started working as a, a therapist, but it was so interesting. Cause it's like when you get these, you know, when you get this the story about the person who's coming in for you to assess, you know, it's almost unfair because you kind of go into those assessments with those preconceived ideas from like mm-hmm. the probation officer or like their teachers. And honestly, the ones who on paper were, were considered to be like the worst were like my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really, really love, you know what I yes. mean? Because they were so misunderstood. And that's the mm-hmm. thing you, your, your stepmom understood why you were doing those things. And I think, for any kid to have somebody who can get them and really understand where they're coming from is so powerful because as a kid, you do oftentimes feel like nobody gets it. Nobody no. understands what I'm going through. So I think that she definitely, um, you know, she, she used what she knew about who you were and about people like who, who like who you were to, to realize that like, she's not who she's trying to, you know, she wants everybody to think she is, you know, but Girl, there's a reason why you felt that way. You know? And the other thing is that, you know, and, and again, another thing that she made me be reflective of is I had gotten used to wearing so many different masks mm. of being everything that mm. I thought I needed to be that when you are so used to, again, having that gear on and ready for war, you're wearing all these different masks. At some point in time, you start to forget what your true face looks like, right? Mm, Like you start to forget who you truly are because I am trying to be everything, everyone, I think. I'm not even going to say what people want me to be because it wasn't even what people were asking me to be. I was coming into situations and automatically assuming that I knew what they wanted. And so I was going to be that, right? So, you know, you put me in this situation, I would be this way. You put me in this situation, I would be this way. And I'm not going to lie. Like at some point in times, I did start to forget who I really was. I mm-hmm. did start to forget, you know, who was actually Devron. Like, because mm-hmm. I wanted to be whatever someone wanted to be. And again, that started with my mom, you know, yeah. when my mom was actively in her addiction, she was one way, you know, if she had just came back from getting high, sometimes she could be the funnest person and like, you know, and then my mom also had depression. So sometimes she would be manic and we would, you know, she would be fun. Like we would go and do like the funnest things and, you know, she would play with us. And then there was times when my mom needed a fix and she didn't have it and, or she had to have us around and it was like an obligation to her. And then she was be, she would be so mean to us. Like, and, you know, she would say really hurtful things to us. So it, it got to the point where I started to kind of like check the temperature in the room before I even knew what it really was. I would guess. And so I would put on a mask to, okay, you know, mom seems like she's not having a great day. So let me go ahead and do this. Or, yeah. you know, this situation seems like it's going this way. Let me go ahead and do this. And so I never really felt completely comfortable being myself. And then that would, you know, go into interactions with peers. It would go interactions with, you know, dating people and things like that, of constantly trying to be whatever they wanted me to be because that foundation relationship that I had had taught me that it was so unsafe that I had to pretend to be something different to be able to make it through. And, you know, like I said, I wasn't giving anyone a chance to really show up authentically. I was just being like, let me put on this mask. Let me put on this Mm -hmm. mask. And, you know, I started to lose my own self. And and that's not a good way to be either. Right. And again, I, I now I understand You know, I have understanding and I'm reflective of it, but I also knew that I had to do work because 
that's not how I want to be. And I also have, you know, I have my husband. I don't want him to not know who he's really married to. Right. Like, and again, like, and we'll talk about this in our series of, you know, your romantic relationships, but how I view myself also impacted how I showed up in my, in my relationship mm-hmm. um, with my spouse. You know, there was parts of me that I, again, like I said, I had experienced so many different things that I didn't even talk to myself about. So mm-hmm. how was I even going to talk to my spouse about it? Right. Um, and yeah. it took a long time for me to even be vulnerable enough with myself and and to actually acknowledge certain things that had happened to me. And then, you know, having that discussion with him, it, it took a lot of work. Like it was like, okay, you are um kind of judging this relationship from this lens, but you didn't even tell him mm-hmm. what happened. Like he doesn't even understand why you're so triggered or why that you're looking at it this way. And so you're wanting him to show up in a way for you that you don't even understand. You don't even know yeah. what you're really asking of him, mm-hmm. uh, but you want him to kind of jump through. And it was because I was so used to doing that in my own relationships with my own yeah. self that I was then thinking that others should do the same thing. Like, what do you mean you can't wear a mask? Like, I'm I'm so used mm-hmm. to it. It was like putting on a wig, like, girl, what, what, what person I want to be today? So <laughs> right. I was like, you know, shoot, if I could do it, everybody can do it. What you mean you can't? And then right. I would judge people of, so I could be this flexible. But you right? can't. I could be this flexible with, with you and our interaction, but you can't be flexible with me. And mm. so now I am judging them on that. Mm-hmm. And it was so unfair. It was so unfair but that was just the lens that I saw it because it was like, I'm doing backflips, cartwheels and all these other things. And you showing up just walking and yeah. I'm over here doing tricks like I'm in the damn circus. Right. I'm wondering why you not, not over here circus. performing like me. Like, not the circus. like what? That's the, that's... Auditioning. Right. But that's the fawning that we do. It's, it's a trauma response. Right. And so, you know, there's what we call fight, uh, flight freeze. And there's been some research to suggest that behaviorally we can engage in what we call fawning, which is like trying to like fix other situations, trying to show up in ways that are going to minimize some of the, uh, you know, if, if I show up, you know, being happy when somebody is sad, it'll reduce the stress that I'm feeling, right? It'll fix it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's all you were doing. But again, that was coming from a place of like, that's what I did in all of my relationships. So it's, it goes back to like what we said last week is like when we do things and we finally tell somebody what we've been doing and it sounds crazy to them, but we're like, it's crazy. I mean, that's what I've been doing my whole life. So <laughs> is it crazy? You know, Right. Like watch me work. <laughs> right. So I think, you know, it's, it is in this, and this is why having a relationship with yourself is so important because if you didn't have that honesty to say, it's not fair to expect somebody to show up the way you've shown up because even the way you were showing up was not even, it wasn't remotely reasonable. If you know what I mean? But it, it was such a reasonable expectation in your life for so long that like, you're like, well, I mean, don't we all do this? You know yes. what I mean? So, so <laughs> what's the problem? What's the problem here? You know what I mean? So I, I think without having that honesty and that ability to self-reflect and say, maybe what I was doing wasn't okay. Like maybe the way I was showing up wasn't okay. And so that means it's not going to be okay for other people. And not even just that, but also learning that like people are people. And so the things that I do to like um, preserve my part of the relationship doesn't have to be what somebody else does, you know? Like it doesn't have to be what somebody else does. And so like, how do I accept that like, this is who I am and this is how I want to show up and like leaving space for other people to be themselves too, you know, like maybe that's just not who they are. And so is it okay for me to like work with them and be willing to compromise on like the things that I think I need, but it's just not appropriate to who that person is. You know, that's, that, that's a lot of like, you know, communicating with yourself about like what is appropriate and what's not. And and again, that goes back and, and that really creates this true level of authenticity, right? Where you can show up as your true self 
And because it feels so good for you to be yourself, you want others to do that too. You want others to show up as who they are. Because, I mean, it's the thing that you love about them, right? So why would you want them to be anything other than that? So like when you can be truly authentic, you want others to be that same level of authentic, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I I mean, I think that it's... (sighs) It's so important to be reflective and and knowing what it is that you're viewing things from, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because again, it starts with you. If you do not have a good relationship with yourself, you are going to try and learn your shit with someone else. Mm-hmm. And it's unfair to them, but it's also mm-hmm. unfair to yourself because you could also be looking for um people who you are not that great aligned with mm-hmm. and pairing up with them because that's the way that you view things and that's the way that you think works for you and it really doesn't and again you've worn so many masks that you don't even know who you really are and now it's got you into you know toxic and even more trauma right mm-hmm. um that's the other yeah. thing you know and I'm thankful that I had people in my life who made me have that self-reflection. I am thankful that I have grown to have compassion for myself. I am thankful that I have learned to be vulnerable with myself because I could never been vulnerable with my husband without having been vulnerable with myself first. And Mm -hmm. I know that there were parts of me that I didn't even want to acknowledge um, and even process, do that deep thinking, do the deep thought, um, do the heavy work. Um, it was like, if I was, you know, doing some self-reflection and I came across like a dark place, girl, I was running out of there. I was like, Jeepers Creepers is in here. I don't got no flashlight. Ain't no, the light switch ain't working in here. Right. Nah, I'm out. Right. And like, if I'm not willing to dive into those dark parts of myself and and try to bring some light into it, how can I ask another human to love me fully, good, bad, and ugly, or mm-hmm. indifferent, um, if I'm not willing to do the same for myself, right? Yeah. And so it was so important to do that self-work because I can't ask anyone to fully love Devron if I don't fully love her myself. Mm-hmm. Like that, that definitely was important. Thank you for tuning in and allowing us to be vulnerable together as we soar. If you enjoyed this episode and are interested in hearing more from us, make sure you hit that follow button so you are alerted when a new episode drops and leave a rating and a review below. Our podcast can be found on all major podcast platforms as well as YouTube. We'd love to hear your comments and how you're choosing to soar these next couple of weeks. Interact with us on Instagram at But What If I Soar as well as on our business pages at Free To Be Counseling Services and at Social MacGyver. Let's continue ascending or gliding even amongst the turbulence. Mm.